How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. You held out a long time. Did you notice that I stood up? I did. And you know what happens when you stand up with your lungs? It gives you this great lung capacity. It's like, you know, you are a performer. You know, it's been interesting. I've been um, cleaning out the basement. My wife and I, Carol, we've been cleaning out the basement. And I've been going through a lot of the old books that I had read in college and, and afterwards and before. And realizing how much these things really influenced me. All these old, you know, these psychologists, um, Jung, Freud, Adler, all these folks that really began the whole sort of field. And then looking at all the Zen that I'd read, I read all these Zen people and all this spiritual really? stuff. Yeah, a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, different philosophies and different religious approaches. And Did then, you read the Zen and the Art of Motorcycle? Absolutely. And also cutting through spiritual materialism by Trumpa. Did you read the Tao of Pooh? I did. Really? Yeah. All these different things. It's, it's kind of amazing how these things influence me. And then there's this whole library of books on animal behavior and sociobiology, which absolutely integrated the you know reading you know Darwin's Natural Selection and, and his original works. It all has influenced the I am. Um, and I'd like to think that it takes all of these things and synthesizes it and then adds a bit more by saying, you know what, let's stop thinking about the world as sick and broken. Let's stop thinking about disease. Let's start recognizing that really we all are one species. We all want the same thing. We want to feel valued by somebody else. I mean, really just think about it. Think about every person you've ever met in your life. The common thread that binds us all is we want to feel valued. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, whether you're rich or poor, what color you are, what religion you believe in. If you believe in religion, we just want to feel valued because that's who we are. That's how we live our lives. We need to be valued by other people. And part of that is based on a deep, deep evolutionary necessity. We need to know that we have a group that we can rely on in case we're attacked by a predator. You know? And that we can be relied upon. Absolutely. That's trust. So the whole idea of the I am is that it's all about respect. Respect is what leads to value, and it's value that leads to trust. And trust, we actually have brain chemistry that's about trust. Oxytocin. Not Oxycontin, oxytocin. This neurohormone that's released when somebody says you're amazing and you get that rush. So it's very cool. And what I really love is that I've got a group of people who really believe in it. Tom, Mark, Ben there in the studio. And I believe you have a lot of viewers that believe in this too. And, and when we talk about your book, Do You Really Get Me? Yep. 
the people that I've talked to who've read it are, are very inspired by it. And, yeah. and it's like, it really is life changing. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Cause it's, it's the small change that I can make. It's this thing that how I can influence other people. Mm. And all I'm doing is giving you a tool so you can do it as well. Yeah. And you can influence all these people around you and imagine what's going to happen in the world when more people just look at each other as doing the best they can instead of less than they can. Let's do it. Utopic. Yeah, it really is. But but based on reality. Right. You know, it's it's not it's not like this pie in the sky philosophy. It's so practical and it's something that we do every day. We can do this every day at every and any moment in time. You can remind someone of their value and whenever you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value and everyone wants to feel valuable. That's right. Let's do it. Especially the right now. The one thing that everybody on this planet has in common. That's right. And it's it, interesting. And it doesn't matter if you're in a red state or a blue state, if you're Republican, if you're Democrat, if you're black, if you're white, if you're any color, if you're from any country, it is what we all want. So why don't we just do it? You know, if we're going to be negotiating with other people, let's remember that they also want to feel valued. Right. And we can do that. We, you know, we had, we had um, a show about real estate mm -hmm. and looking at the I am of real estate. Well, this is the same thing, but in a much bigger way. What, why can't one country just respect that another country has needs? Right. And how can we work together so everybody benefits? Shrandios, maybe, but I think it's doable. It's definitely doable. It's doable on every level, whether it's a small level it's all about awareness, you know? Yeah. And we got Timmy here. Timmy, t say hello. Hi. <laughs> so, Timmy, we got a little tradition going on here. So, Timmy's in studio because, uh, yep. I don't know if you know this, but in New England, there's two very important opening days. One oh. I've seen you at, right? Yes. Fenway Park. Sox. Absolutely. Every year. Um, and there's another one in Lincoln, New Hampshire at Loon Mountain. And what is that opening so, day? Tomorrow. So Timmy is playing hooky tomorrow. Yeah. But he's going to learn a lot because he's going to hang out with his dad. So all of Timmy's teachers, I promise you, we'll talk a little social studies. Okay. Maybe a little Very English. Little. Very little. Probably no math. No he's math. doing fine. You got an A in math, though, right? We don't have to talk about math, I right? I had a test today. I don't know how I did. <laughs> I'm sure it adds up to an A. It better. Otherwise, uh, you know, no dinner. But no, so we're going to head straight up from here and... Uh, <laughs> And it's going to be great. We're going to hopefully be the first chair of the season. I think, and this is a tradition that you have, yes. right? Yep. I think that's a really wonderful tradition. There's something about family traditions that uh, are so binding mm. and bonding Agreed. and everything. Agreed. Well done. So listen, we have a guest who is calling in, uh, Nancy Joy, who's also pronounced Joie, as in Joie de Vivre. Wilkie, who is new author of The Seven Sides of Self. Nancy, are you on the line? I am on the line. Yay. Welcome, Nancy. I just wanted to welcome you, and I just want to say, I went to your website, and it is remarkable. Mark and I were talking about it. It's like, how did you put it? Renaissance woman, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself and... Who you are, we've got a listening audience, they're interested. Take it away. Well, 
I am a, uh, I hate to use the word retired, but for lack of a better term, I'm a retired uh, biochemist. And uh, I did that for 31 years. And um, I did that because my dad always told me I had to go get a job that I could make money. Uh-huh. But that's not what I really wanted to do. So now that I've been retired for nine years, I'm a writer, artist, and musician. And I'm doing what I want to do. Oh, that's great. And you were always that. Uh, a a yeah, writer, artist, absolutely. and musician. I did those things, but I just didn't really have the time to dedicate to it. And I didn't really have the uh, the um, uh, um, connections to get some of it out into the world. I didn't, And it's all about knowing the right people, and I didn't know the right people then. So I, uh, I've spent uh, quite a few years building a network, um, especially of musicians that uh, allows me to uh, do what I want to do. Of musicians? Yeah. And so I, I noticed on the website also that there are a number, uh, I mean, there's so much music on it. And some of those are, are artists that you have collaborated with or have brought onto your website? Absolutely. I, I uh, a couple, about three, four years ago, in an effort to uh, try and build a community of people that I found uh, worthy to uh, play with me, I uh, built an organization that I called the Loose Organization of Mus- Original Musicians, or LOOM. It's all of the good stuff about playing music, but without the drama of being in a band. And mm. so we uh, we trade time, talent, and uh, with each other. And, and uh, I'm not a singer, so I always needed singers to come and sing my songs. And the album that I released in April has four of my friends uh, singing the various songs. And uh, it works quite well. I play for them, they sing for me, I do artwork for them, and they sing for me. Yep. That's great. So I have a question. If you were to start over 40 years ago, what would you have done differently? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, a friend of mine uh, that I sat with next to in band years ago in high school, he, he took the other path, and it didn't really work out for him so well. And after a number of years of playing music, he finally realized that his dad was right, and he went back to college huh. as an older person and uh, got a degree that took him till he was, uh, I think he was 60 when he finally graduated with his college degree. Hmm. And now he's almost ready to retire. So you know, I I don't um, I don't fault my decisions at all. I think I made the correct choices because now I have the uh, means to do what I want to do, which I would have not done had I played music and done art. Yeah, I mean, I, I can absolutely relate. Uh, I took six years of doing different stuff before I went to medical school after graduating college. I'm glad right? I. I I did all those other things. Tell me about the biochemistry, though. What what, what was your field? Well, I uh, got out of college. I uh, went to a small Southern liberal arts college and didn't really get much of a skill except dissecting frogs. And so I went out and traveled for a year, and then I went back into the job market. And I was very fortunate to trip over a connect who got me to another connect who eventually got me to a final connect that got me a job as a lab tech in a biotech firm that was here north of Washington, D.C., and that was right as the biotech boom was just starting off and the president was going around NIH selling restriction enzymes out of an ice bucket. And uh, 
and I grew up with them and worked for them for 21 years, and we we uh, we we grew and it was fun and we did great stuff. And unfortunately, through no fault of our own, we got bought out and the new owners came in and laid everybody off. But um, ever since I was 10 years old, I watched my grandfather work in the lab, and I always thought that's what I want to do, and that's exactly what I did. Hmm. Yep. Really, really interesting. Isn't it amazing how these small changes can have big effects? Well, I know, and I saw that in your, your website about uh, not being able to control the uh, the outside world, but you can make a small change in yourself, and, yep. and it works. Yep, it does. And, and the, other, the other part of the I am is you control no one, you influence everyone, and Correct. you get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. And I your work... That. Your work has influenced people you will never meet. You know, it's funny that you're saying that because despite having put out artwork and CDs over the last couple of years, I, I haven't really got that sense. But all of a sudden, I put out a book, and, and I've been elevated next to Godhood, I think, and everybody's telling me how wonderful everything is. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's spend some time talking about that. Um, the book is called Seven Sides of Self. Correct. Tell me about that. I'll I, I just read the blurb. It says, this explores seven aspects of an individual, the storyteller, the skeptic, the survivor, the saint or the sinner, the scholar, the seeker, and the savior. So, And they all begin with S, which I'm sure is not a coincidence because it's also Seven Sides of Self, which is also S. So which one, did, which one did you write first of, of these stories? Well, that's an interesting question because, you know, I'm not even sure I can give you an answer on that one. Uh, I've been, these stories were written over a span of about 25 years, mm. and, um, and I was sitting in a little sundry shop about 10 years ago, and all of a sudden the muses showed up and said, you know, you really ought to take some, do something with these, and you ought to you can put them together and here's how you put them together and so i tried to do something with this for i don't know 20 years and two years ago i joined the maryland writers association and all of a sudden i started having to connect with the publishing industry and um and uh so i thought okay i need i need to try this again i'd been rejected so many times and you know it's like when you write a good song they always say if your song has a good hook it's going to go someplace. And so I thought, you know, I need a good hook. And so the hook is, as you pointed out, the, the whole S thing. And that's just, it's just for fun. I don't know if there's any serious stuff in there, but I took each story and I thought, okay, now what, if I had to find an S word to describe the main character of each story, what would the S word be? And there they are. Hmm. And so the seven sides is simply referring to the seven stories, and the self, not surprisingly, is me. Uh, <laughs> Write what you know. And so each one of these main characters is pretty much a slice of me and dealing with a certain aspect of me. For example, the ledge is about somebody who's trying to deal with fear, and that's about me dealing with my fear of heights. And, mm. and that came to me one night in a dream. So... Each one of these stories is just uh, just me kind of exploring myself through the use of a character and allegory. 
I am trying so hard not to say you're making an S of yourself. <laughs> yes. But I clearly I couldn't no. stop myself. Yeah. Um, I know. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about these. So let's pick one. Yes. Let's, Mark, pick, pick one of the... One of the... Uh, the saint or the sinner. Okay, let's talk about that one. Tell us about that Yeah. One. Uh, an intricate balance is actually something like we talked about earlier today a little bit. That's where I first introduced my concept of uh, the three laws of spiritual dynamics. And uh, I got that idea because, you know, if you study the Big Bang, they always talk about that when uh, matter came into existence for every proton there was an anti-proton for every electron there was an anti-electron well let's say that as a spirit or a soul is created by whatever power that creates it that at the instant they create a soul they also create an anti-soul so you have these paired souls that are brought into corporeal bodies at the same time and that there's a, a spiritual link between these two and if one goes up, the other goes down because we have to keep a balance. So what happens if somebody one day figures all this out and realizes that they're on the upswing, and that means that their spiritual partner is on the downswing, and they better find that partner pretty darn quick, because if they go down anymore and die, then the one that's going up also dies, because it's like the two particles coming together and annihilating each other, and so it's the same thing with these souls. And so... But really what this is about is me exploring the, the balance between self-preservation and self-sacrifice. And that's something that I deal with in my life every day because I'm dealing with an elderly mother. How much of my life do I give up for this other person? And this other person may not necessarily recognize what I'm trying to do or even want me to do it. And that's what these two characters are uh, taught it's just two characters and they're going back and forth the one's trying to save the other and the other one doesn't really want to be saved so what do you do and that's what the story's about interesting but can you talk a little bit about this concept that you that were talking about the repeat it the the three three laws of spiritual dynamics yeah it's modeled after the three laws of thermodynamics which being a chemist, I'm embarrassed that I can't explain the three laws of thermodynamics. Um, but the spiritual dynamics uh, is something I haven't worked out, but I want to do that in, in short stories I'm writing now to explain. But one of the laws is uh, the laws of the spiritual conservation, which is something I just alluded to, that, you know, when one's created, another one is created, and they have to, they have to maintain this balance. Um, the other two laws I haven't figured out yet. They're still work in progress, but it's a neat it's a neat uh, tool to use to uh, bring into stories and um, and and talk about you know the dynamics of the soul. How do how are they created? How do they come into our bodies? Where do they go when we're done with them? And yeah, it's a very and, and I. Go on, go and I on. think I said this morning that uh, I'm convinced that there is only one path. I, whatever religion everybody is um, is great, but I think there's only one path, and those three laws are meant to describe that one path that all of us go on. It's a very interesting and compelling concept. And again, yeah. with with tying it into the I am approach, um, the I am is is saying that there.
There isn't necessarily one path, but there's a roadmap. Uh, and the IM sure. provides that roadmap for you so you can see which of the domains you may need to make a small change in to move yourself closer to whatever your own definition of success is. And that's really part of, of what I'm hoping people will do in general is begin recognizing that they are pretty valuable and they're doing the best they can at this moment in time with the potential to change in the very next second to another best they can. So I'm just wondering, in terms of how you have been influenced, one of the stories um, that I, I don't think it's in this book, but it's on your website, was yes. called Deconstructing Dad. Yes. And, and it's a very compelling story. It's a lovely story about your relationship with your father. Um, yes. And I'm just wondering, how did your home domain, I mean, you already were sort of telling us a bit about this, how your home domain influenced you so much going into biochemistry. Correct. But can you can you talk a little bit more about about your growing up years and, and how that has resulted in the Nancy of today? Absolutely. Well, uh, my dad was a 28-year Navy guy, so that ought to tell you something right there. We well, were a military family, and he had to do two stints in Vietnam. So, you know, we did the traditional traditional thing, and it wasn't easy. And he was pretty strict, and he wanted me to follow in his path. He wanted me to go into the Navy. He was a dentist in the Navy, ironically, and he wanted me to go to dental school, and I said no. And that created quite a schism. And uh, But he was... He was pretty intense about where he wanted me to go to school, what he wanted me to study, how he wanted me to live my life, and um, and that definitely created some some tension. And um, the irony is that it wasn't until two years before he passed that he finally he finally woke up, I think, and realized that what's really important here is that. I I followed my passion just as he did, and I was happy. And um, you know, um, I think that I think that tension makes you stronger as you go through life and you face all of life's decisions. And um, and you know, there've been some failures, um, but I think that. Um, I, he he gave me a great work ethic, and um, he always uh, was supportive in the long run. And so, yeah, that that's that's pretty much it. And you know, in in that story, deconstructing dad, there was something that you put down in italics, and I really, I really wanted oh, to yeah. talk about that. You said. And this is a quote, why do we only remember the good in those we loved? And that's yeah. end quote. I I'm going to ask you more about that. Uh, well, good, I, I, think I, I think I wrote that in there because after he passed, uh, you know, he, he sort of achieved a, a much higher uh, level of respect in, in, in me. And, and how I went out and, and talked about him uh, and carried on a lot of his, uh, his missions in life. But yet, 
there were times growing up where it was World War Three and things were horrible and nasty, and those things you tend to forget about, I think. Um, and uh, so that's pretty much where that came from, was uh, all, that, all that conflict in the end didn't really matter. It all went away. He, he, he figured out what was the real deal, and I think to, to distill it down, I think uh, I had an aunt once that asked me what was my purpose in life, and I said, I don't know, and, she, and I asked her what her purpose in life was, and she said, my purpose in life is to learn how to love, and I think that that's what I now apply to my dad, that his purpose in life was to learn to love, and I must have been, he must have had some tough times loving me, I don't know, but at the end, he loved me, and he made sure I knew that before he passed. And, and you know, that's all I remember. That's all I want to remember. And those are the good memories. And we Absolutely. Uh, we just did a, a whole series on parenting and fatherhood, and and I think the overriding theme was it's never too late. Right. Right? So even no. if you had a tough uh, experience raising your kids through their maybe their infant years, their adolescent years, their teen okay. years, their 20s. It's never too late to say, hey, you know what? I didn't really know what I was doing, and I, I apologize. As a parent, yep. saying that As a parent, kid. right. And, you know, let's, let's move and forward. I, I communicate to my nieces and to all of my friends, kids, et cetera, et cetera, that there is nothing more important than, in life than a parent bestowing a blessing upon their child. That is the single biggest, wonderfulest thing that they can do for that kid. And no matter, yeah, like you say, no matter how old that is or when that happens, that is so important. And my dad gave me that three times before he left. And and it's a wonderful thing. I can't see, but I hear you may be getting a little choked up by this, Nancy. <laughs> oh, I can't help it. No, I think that's Those wonderful. are good memories. Those are good yep. memories. He was uh, a good guy. Yeah. He was a good guy. He was doing his best at every moment in time. Right. I just, you know, I, I don't usually challenge things in on this show. You don't? No. Never? Well, uh. sometimes. But but I'm I'm trying to think about about the people that that have left that I have loved. Um and I remember not only the good things, but I also remember that there were a lot of things that I sort of wished were different, but have accepted because these, I'm thinking about my, my mom, my dad, my sister, friends who have, who have passed, and I know that I love them, but I also know they, they weren't perfect. They yeah. were at their I am, but they were at their I am. That's but what the part, parts do you, know? you want to remember? I honestly I I enjoy remembering all of it although some of it brings me great sadness and I'll be perfectly right. honest but yeah. it's kind of like what you were saying about your children right mm -hmm. be proud of who they are not what they are not that's right, right? absolutely Correct. I know you worded that much more eloquently than I, I did I did I did <laughs> <laughs> you're the wordsmith be, be but, amazed at who they are instead of disappointed in who they are not right so Correct. with that can't you do you can't you frame that with your memories as all as well absolutely one can um, uh, but I, I think what I have learned is that I think to accept someone for who they are 
allows you to have a real relationship with them instead of being disappointed in who they are not. And that is part of what um, the I am is really for. The I am allows one to really accept people for who they are and respect them um, and try to understand why they are doing what they're doing. You talked, uh, mentioned briefly that part of how the book came together, uh, maybe the story started, was you got this message from the muses. Yes. I got to know more about the muses. What's going yeah, on? you know, I wish I could tell you about them like, you know, there's three guys and two girls and what their names are and how big or small they are, but I can't. Uh, there's a collection of uh, entities, and they pay me visits sometimes. Um, I was out on a walk one day, and within that hour-long walk, they had uh, dropped in the entire story of uh, the ledge uh, into my mind, and I went home and sat down, and for three or four hours, I wrote out the first draft, and there it all was. It's just, they give it to me, and it's awesome, and it's complete, and I have to go back and twick it, but so much of the music and the uh, and uh, the writing that I do, uh, they just show up. And the the problem is, they keep coming faster than I can get stuff written down really? or composed. And so I'm I'm pretty far behind on things, but I'm not complaining because they can keep coming, and I just make little notes to remind me of what what they're bringing me. That is fascinating. Yeah, it's the universe. The universe yeah. is becoming aware of itself. I don't know. Who well, knows? You're, you're opening yourself up to that portion Absolutely. of the universe, right? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. So how does this phenomenon, this amazing thing, uh, connect with your biochemist mind? Which, you know, uh, how, how do you think this is happening? Um... You know, I don't know if it has anything to do with biochemistry. It might have something to do with uh, the, the brain of a scientist, which can be highly structured. So many of my scientist friends are musicians. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's, that's great and everything. But I think a lot of it comes from uh, me being a meditator. I, I learned how to do that. I think I was 19. And... Uh, you know, I'll meditate and I'll just focus on uh, the the presence, being in the moment, uh, being completely aware of myself and my surroundings and uh, the universe. And I think a lot of it also has to do with being very spiritual and having an absolute faith that the good Lord is up there somewhere and, uh, you know, getting in touch with that. Maybe the muses are angels. Who knows? I don't know. When did the muses first come into your life? Well, that's an interesting thing. Uh, I think I was at a football game when I was in college, and all of a sudden a, uh, a whole long piece of poetry came into my head, and I went back to my dorm room and wrote it all down. And, uh, and then they took a long break. Uh, and then one day after I graduated, I was driving across France, and uh, my first short story dropped into my head. And that night when I got to the hotel, I sat and I wrote the whole thing down. And um, I think that was probably the first time where I was really aware that 
that maybe there was there were people dropping stuff into my head for me to find. Um, and that's actually what the, 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 the seventh story in there is about, uh, called Old Mims. And it's, he's an he's a old writer, and, um, and uh, he's, he's got some stuff dropping into his head, and he now has to realize that he's, there's, there's some responsibility for that. You've got you to gotta do something with it. You've got to take care of what's being dropped into your head. And uh, so he's learning about that. So, so Ben is back. Ben, uh, can we just run a little bit of uh, of Nancy's music that we've got on track there? Here we go. There we go. Very meditative, great rhythm. Yeah. And that was brought to you by the Muse? Uh, yeah, that one was actually originally written on a guitar. Uh, I was sitting in my living room one day, and I had never, uh, never played what those chords were before. Somebody once told me, the first time you pick up a guitar every session, play something you never played before. And that's, that's what came. There it was. It was all... It was all there. You know, you, you hear that a lot from the, the really outstanding musicians, those that have, you know, stood the test of time when asked, you know, how do you do it? They all seem to say they sit down and it just comes to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you, vision, you, you see that as people placing that in no, your I mind. No, I don't see it as people. I, I, I mean, I say that sort of fictitiously. Uh, you know, what the muses are, maybe there are points of uh, energy, maybe they're... Um, like I said, maybe they're angels. Who knows what or who they are? Um, it's just uh, it's just something that is that comes to you, and you have to learn to be aware of it and um, open to sometimes it. Sometimes they take a break. You know, there can be months that go by and they don't show up. So did they okay. did they take a break during your thirty one year career grinding in the workforce? <laughs> I think so yeah, <laughs> a big long one. It's because your mind wasn't open to it necessarily. Uh, you know, that's back when, the, you know, was married, had the kids, was working on grad school and working full time. And who has, you, you're not opened up to that, right. you know. And it's only until you get away from that and all of a sudden I was in my 40s and things started coming a little bit more frequently. And now, now that I'm old, you know, are coming all the time. It's great. That is great. Yeah. So part of what we ask on the Dr. Joe show is... What small change are you recommending in your stories? So small changes have big effects. Somebody reads your book. What small change do you think you can offer them? Well, that's a good question. I saw that on your blurb sheet, and uh, I think my response to that is simply to be responsible for yourself, your actions, your words, your thoughts, your deeds, to accept responsibility for all of those things and not constantly trying to put them on somebody else, blame somebody else for all of your misfortunes and everything that goes wrong. 
And I, I really do try to do that. That's it, It's sort of a mindfulness that you need to develop, but accept responsibility for, for everything. And... Um, and know that you can't change other people, you can't change other events, you can only change who you are and how you think. And so that that would be, and that's kind of what that last story is about, is learning to accept responsibility for yourself and what you bring into the world. And, and that, that gets to the other question, which is, you know, you control no one, you influence everyone. What kind of influence are you hoping to be? <laughs> Well, um, you know, this whole thing with the book, I, 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 um, I, I've had to think some different thoughts about things because I, I can say honestly that I never really thought that, I, that it was my place to influence anybody. Um, and I realize now that there is some power in doing what I'm doing in with the music and the writing and the art. Um, and for whatever reason, people seem to be attracted to that. And so I should learn to use that for whatever message I may choose to send. And I think the message is what I said previously, but I also think that trying to get people to uh, think positively. My, my mantra is positive, healthy thinking. And, um, and I think that if everybody did that, we'd have a much nicer world. That's Agreed. The iron floor. So we, we got 30 seconds. Tell us how, yes. how we get to your book, websites, sure. things like that. Go ahead. Well, the, 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 the main thing is the website. My website is mindsights, one word, M-I-N-D-S-I-G-H-T-S dot net. But all my music is on cdbaby.com. If you type in Nancy Joy Wilkie, you'll find it. Uh, the book is on uh, She Writes Press, uh, and uh, you can order it through there. But you can get both the book and the music through everybody's favorite, amazon.com. Awesome. Nancy Joy Wilkie, thank you so much. Best of luck oh, with your so book, welcome. Seven Sides of Self. Folks, we will be back next week. Timmy, you want to take us out? Everybody, see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> <See you. Bye. laughs>